Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from the Winnipeg Free Press. Sorry about the five-minute delay. We are having a heck of a time with our microphones, so I'm back to the old-school AirPods. I hope that's good enough for the folks out there. Uh, man, we are having all kinds of problems, so we're just going to try and figure this out. Uh, in the meantime, hopefully this will do, uh, and we want to uh, tell you all about the game that happened tonight here between Winnipeg Jets St. Louis Blues. We also have lots to talk about uh, the uh, situation with the Winnipeg Jets and their ticket sales. Gary Bettman and Bill Daly being in town, their comments kind of throwing a swerve at everybody in the audience or who is throwing the swerve. That seems to be the question. Uh, we went into this feeling all kinds of concern and told there's nothing to be concerned about. So there you go. We'll dig into that and how that all came about. Uh, but let's get into this Blues game here. Um, another game uh, that probably looks very similar, I think a little bit better uh, than what we saw against the Arizona Coyotes. Um, very similar, if the, you know, because I thought the two games were carbon copies almost as the game in Chicago, uh, or excuse me, against Chicago. And um, I, you've heard my take on this whole thing uh, and how I've taken a look at this and thought these are the kind of games that this team isn't going to succeed off of in the long run, but they keep winning, right? This is now seven wins in eight. Uh, the Jets are climbing up the standings. I take a look. The only team with a better points percentage than the Winnipeg Jets are the Florida Panthers. Wouldn't that be something, eh? Wouldn't that be something? The Winnipeg Jets in the Stanley Cup final against their old coach, Paul Maurice? How How is that for storylines? Could you just imagine the quotes that Ken would be getting from Paul Maurice, he would be just like bebopping and scatting all over the place, that guy. Uh, anyway, um, so I take a look at this game, and I don't think the Jets are anywhere near the top of their game yet. They seem to keep winning 7 of 8, climbing up the standings. Uh, I know I've talked about concern. Um, some of those concerns alleviated for me. couple reasons why. We'll get into it uh, a little bit deeper. But one of the things is tonight what I saw from them was a team where the St. Louis Blues were making a push, and unlike in other nights, the Winnipeg Jets seemed to understand, and Brennan Dillon talked about this, didn't like their first two periods, thought it was a little too wide open. St. Louis closing the gap, and what do the Winnipeg Jets do? They go out and they have a fairly, fairly settled third period where they look like they had everything under control. They go out and they score the goal to make it a two-goal game rather than the other way around and end up having to worry about going to overtime or something like that. I saw in that a team that thought, that knew how to handle that game in that moment, whereas, you know, the other couple of games, I thought there were some lucky balances that went their way, and they, they were fortunate coming out of games against teams that they didn't need to be fortunate against. Um, but this is what makes me think uh, most that I, I, my level of concern about the Winnipeg Jets dropped today. And one of the reasons it did, Rick Bonus in the morning. Uh, if you heard, and someone talked about it on the last podcast, I asked a question at the end of the game before the last podcast, in which I think I probably showed in that, that I wasn't overly impressed with their structure. And Rick Bonus essentially admitted it. He said he wasn't on the top of their game. What we get from Brendan Dillon today in the post game where we talked with him, a goal by Brendan Dillon, is essentially the Jets saying they know that they're not where they need to be. They know that the game that they're playing right now is not the game they want to take into the playoffs. It's not the game they think will have them succeed against higher up teams. 
So I see an awareness from the Winnipeg Jets about where they are right now. Now they're still winning and they're finding a way to win games. I thought Lauren Brassois was a huge reason for them winning tonight. Just more add another tick into the column of the Winnipeg Jets look the same with uh, Lauren Brassois net as they do um, with uh, with Connor Hellebuck. Something that you'll hear from the truth teller right here. Uh, I, I even came up with hand signals. If you want to, you're out with your friends and you see Rennie, you can be like, "Hey, TT." truth teller or maybe like this t i don't know what's cooler is this cooler like the timeout symbols or like the big fist to there tt telling the truth it's what i do and i was telling the truth about lauren brassois and lauren brassois just keeps backing it up hey i was telling the truth a couple games ago when i talked about the winnipeg jets not playing a very good game or not playing the kind of game they should be playing and then their head coach comes out and their players come out and they admit as much i think that that is important Here's why it's important. I've talked about this in the past. There was an interview at one point that graded on me so bad back in the snake charmer years. And it was the Winnipeg Jets pulling out a game in which they probably didn't deserve to win. It was a, it was, I think it was the Ottawa Senators or something like that. Not the best opponent, a, a struggling opponent at the time. It was one of those games where the Jets went down 3-1. They came, scored their way back in, win it in overtime. And Kyle Connor after the game didn't respond with, that's not how we want to play. That, you know, we shouldn't be playing like that, or this isn't the game we need to be carrying forward. The response was, we know we're good. I used to think that there was an arrogance about the Winnipeg Jets, and they would win games like that, and they'd turn around, and much like Rennie does when he's talking about being the truth teller, pat themselves on the back. Now, the Winnipeg Jets seem to have a very good understanding that even though they're winning seven of eight games, this is not the standard by which they need to adhere to. Um, that to me is important because this team right now knows that even though the results are coming, the game is not the game that they want. That means they're focused on getting to the game they want to get to. When they're going to decide to get there, who knows? Maybe it'll take some losses to get there. But the difference between this Winnipeg Jets team and hey, maybe I got to give uh, Julie Sue some credit here because Julie Sue was copying and pasting her comments from last year saying, hey, different team, different year. She kept copying and pasting it year after year. She was bound to be right eventually. So maybe she is at this stage. The Winnipeg Jets are a team that are very aware of their flaws in this moment. And at least if you know what the problem is, you can address the problem. If you don't think it's a problem, you don't address it. I think the Winnipeg Jets get around to addressing this because they're aware of it and because they pointed out. That's my take on this. Let's get to the man with the best music in the business for his take on the whole thing. Here comes Kenny, everybody. Kenny, let's do this quick. Your music rocks. We all know that. But mine does, too. And T-Shoe says, hey, heels knows how to dress. Ties don't cut it. Headbands do. Hashtag wake up. So I'm going to accept this wake up. We never usually do it this early. So let's get into it right now. Let's make it a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show, people. 
Oh, can he pull on this thing on? It's like stepping into a perfectly temperatured bath. Hey, I gave our main man at Victoria Rossi, Frankie, a call today because with the truth teller gimmick that I'm going with now, I'm like Chris Jericho. I reinvent myself so often. But hey, I, I got to hold them. You know those ties that they kind of stick out this way and then they've got like two lines that go that way, like the colonel wears them or something like that. I, I said to Frankie, maybe I get one of those and I pin the two bottoms together. So I basically am wearing a T as a tie. And he told me to get real. That's not what Frankie does. What Frankie does is makes us look like we look right now, like a million bucks. So if you want to look like Kenny and Rennie, head on down to Corden Avenue to the Vittorio Rossi. Tell them Kenny and Rennie sent you ask for Frankie and the boys and they will do you up right. Ken, I've held you back long enough. Time for you to hit the buffet. What do you think of that game? Oh, buddy, hungry. Uh, long day at the rink. Got there at 10.30, left at 10.30. Um, yeah, it, it was an interesting affair for sure. Uh, it, you know, we talked before the game, and you thought this might be one of those days where the Jets actually uh, maybe potentially run up the score uh, against their opponent. And at 2 nothing, it was kind of looking that way, and then all of a sudden uh, – the Blues looked like a totally different team than the one that we saw in November. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, that team looked like it had kind of cashed out. Uh, this team battled back and, you know, we're basically right back into the game until Alex Iafalo assaulted it away with a uh, insurance marker for his first in 21. So uh, I thought there were stretches. I thought, you know, you touched on Brendan Dillon. I thought he kind of nailed it. Like, it's not like they're playing horribly for four, 50 minutes. But they also recognize... Uh, that they aren't playing at their best. So Sean, like you said, the biggest difference between last year and this year is everything was okay last year, even when it wasn't going well. Whereas this year, the team knows that yes, a, they are finding a way to win. Yes. They have won seven out of eight, but there have been stretches and, and sometimes extended swaths where they haven't been in their structure, but guess what? They found a way to get back into their structure when the game was on the line. Right? So, uh, to me, there's value in that. Um, it, it, it's not the formula. It's not the template. But I think it's important to, to you know, the difference, again, when you're reaching back for something, before when the Jets were reaching back, they were trying to reach back for offense to score their way out of their mistakes. Now, when they reach back into the well, their foundation is definitely based on foundation of structure and defensively sound play. So we saw a bunch of examples of back checks and we saw Kyle Connor on the back check. We saw other guys picking up the, the trailer and things like that. We didn't see a ton of odd man rushes for the blues. You saw them creating chaos uh, on the four check. You saw some disruptions. You saw some Nikolai Ehlers wizardry finding Sean Monahan. Uh, exactly what we saw on Friday night, Sean, where you and I both felt that those guys were starting to, you know, starting to have things happen organically for them. And today was another great example of that. For all the talk about the first line getting hemmed in, they did a much better job of doing the opposite, hemming in their opponent for wide swaths of the game. Were they on for one goal against? Yes. But Sean, I would argue that, you know, Braden Shen did an excellent job of battling and winning a battle with Nate Schmidt that set up the chance for Jake Neighbors, that set up the chance for Brandon Saad. That wasn't the Jets' top line getting hemmed in because they can't defend uh, or they weren't defending. So for me, uh, you know, the Lowry line, did they give up some chances? Yes, but they also had plenty of chances generated themselves. Uh, the fourth line uh, played 
quite a bit more than Sunday, as it turns out, Sean. With with Vladislav Nemesnikov bumped back to the fourth line, yeah. there is 12.33 for the fourth line. For Cole Perfetti, 10.30. So, you know, right around what we saw on Sunday. But I thought that the, for the first two periods, he was involved. He was looking for his shot. He made an exceptional pass to Nino Niederreiter on the doorstep where Joel Hofer absolutely robbed him. Uh, that was, I guess, in the second period during that, the, just after the power play or right near the end of it. So um, defensively, Josh Morrissey, another solid game. I mean, he was he was one empty net assist away from, you know, set, tying an incredible record. I mean, I think there's four guys all time that have had three games in a row with three assists that are blue liners. So uh, that's another stick tap for a guy we have talked plenty about of late and for good reason. And, you know, there's Brendan Dillon. Um, getting himself his career high seventh goal uh, of the season with still, you know, a quarter and change of the season left and checks notes. Oh, it's a contract year for Brendan Dillon. So um, for a guy who has expressed interest in wanting to stay here, you know, doing another good job of showing that he does more than just play a physical style. Uh, and as Zathalis says, Lauren Brassois was great again, and he absolutely was. Uh, and yes, for the for those people commenting about Sean being underwater and talking through a tin can, we, we've got an audio issue that we have been trying to fix and our technology is letting us down currently. So we are doing our best. So thank you for this your is, patience, yeah. everybody. This is as good as it gets. So so people know uh, we've been battling this. Uh, it's why the last couple of shows just kept getting put back, pushed back and pushed back. We're just having trouble. This is, this is the only way we could get to air today. So all the people out there, who um who are wondering about my audio i we wish it wasn't like this it's the best we can do at this moment uh our apologies um we're gonna try and get it figured out anyway uh, one thing is it is the is it set for both audio and mic like it doesn't sound like the microphone is is the microphone also set to airpods it seems like it's it is okay there it we is. Go. then we're just gonna so, power i don't know what, i don't know what else to do folks uh that like this is honestly as good as it gets i'm sorry i don't know what it sounds like on your end uh but uh i love this comment from james who says hey sean what's it like on pluto tonight cold that's good that's good i'm glad that you are i'm glad that you are uh are very understanding laughing very at understanding kenny and rennie's pain and rennie's pain especially hey the truth i'm gonna tell you the truth the truth is this sucks right here what's happening tonight sorry we're just gonna have to make the best of it um let's dig a little bit uh deeper into that second line so what i saw from this second line sure. a couple games ago not last game but the game before was nick ehlers scoring a couple of goals on on individual efforts but what we also saw was a little bit of them starting to click and something that was working tonight it looked like it worked entirely. Like it looked like three guys who kind of know where everybody's going to be. They know what their roles are. I follow, you know, basically playing extremely defensive, but then just going to the front of the net, goes to the front of the net. He pops one in. That's the kind of goal you want a guy like I scoring on that line. The, uh, uh, and I'll, you know, early hint for me, this is the one that is the lamplighter. Um, Nikolai Ehlers finding Sean Monahan. Did you see the way that Mo Sean Monahan one time that puck across his body like that, Ken? That's yeah. a, that's amazing. That's amazing. He was fully facing the board and basically took a one timer. Like if 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 this is twelve o'clock, he basically shoots a one timer 
at four o'clock, four thirty, heading in a, a direction I couldn't typically see a guy doing that. But but the way that he found him there, the way they were working tonight, they seemed to be mostly for the most part working in the blues end. If anyone was wondering about uh, uh, the you know trying to get this second line going, this seems to be the equation. And hey, I know they're out there listening. At the Kenny and Rennie get together, our last one, there was a real fervent group of people staunchly defending Cole Perfetti. Uh, and listen, I've got nothing against Cole Perfetti, but I'm a realist. I'm a truth teller. The truth the, of the matter was essentially that Cole Perfetti had had an entire year to try and show that he could impact. I don't blame what's going on on, on Cole Perfetti specifically, but this reminds me of someone else in the chat room who likes to talk about the idea that Billy Hanela needs to be brought up and given a wide, uh, wide berth of games to make mistakes. That's not how this works. Cole Perfetti was given a lot of time to make something work up there. It was not working. And as soon as you put these three together, it is working. Cole Perfetti, to a degree, has now worked his way off the second line, found his way on the fourth line. We can talk about that there. But this is how the NHL is supposed to work. You get paid millions upon millions of dollars to play in the NHL because you go and you produce results. It's a results-oriented business. That's it. Right off the bat with just a very small sample size, it could change, but as of right now, Maurice says Perfetti's getting more chance on the fourth line than he was on the second line. It's working. There's That's a conversation to be had, but as it stands right now, the biggest no-show so far for the Jets this year has been their secondary scoring from their second line because the third and fourth line were taking care of it for a while. Right now, it's looking like the best iteration of a second line that the Winnipeg Jets have had all season, Ken. Yeah, they've been great, and uh, I was curious for your thoughts on a couple items. Uh, quickly here, uh, how about Monaghan comparing Nikolai Ehlers to Johnny Gaudreau today? Yeah, great. I thought it was a great. Good, you mentioned that kind of great earlier. Comparison. I wondered if that's what he had thought, and uh, Monaghan mentioning how he'd played with Johnny Hockey for quite a long time, and really those two gelled really well. Uh, you know, for, We're fortunate to have uh, several friends who cover the team closely, and uh, that's one of the things that Wes Gilbertson said to me that Sean Monahan and Johnny uh, Gaudreau are, you know, basically really close friends, played together for a long time. Uh, that's why I thought that the line could work. And, you know, they're not the same player, obviously. Uh, Ehlers is a little bit more explosive, but just in the way their East-West game and Monahan is starting to figure out where Ehlers likes to get the puck in space. So uh, when that happens and vice versa, it can be very dangerous. So for me... Uh, Alex Iafalo, we talked about this, Sean. Alex Iafalo was a guy who couldn't buy one. Uh, he does a lot of other things that impact the game, help the penalty kill, all of those things, really disruptive on the forecheck, skates, you know, gets involved. Uh, and he got a goal today by going to the paint, Sean. What, what were we talking about when the Jets were going well, when they were getting all of their secondary scoring? I mean, of course, they didn't plan for Nikolai Ehlers to rip it off the end boards. But if you go to the right places and to the dirty areas, you find a way to clean up some of the trash. And you don't get those kind of goals unless you're working to those spots on the ice. So stick taps to Alex Iafalo for doing that. Uh, you know, Sean Monahan. Enjoyed talking to him this morning, Sean. It was actually the first time I think I've been in an interview with him. I mean, he's spoken, uh, you know, twice on the road after games and on, you know, when after the trade, it, I was still in Mexico and you were still away. So um, he's very to the point. As you know, you said it yourself when uh, when you were on Hockey Night and you had him on. Uh, 
Sean pulled out the cliche meter, which, you know, happens on occasion. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy who gets to the truth very quickly. So uh, I liked what he had to say this morning. Um, you know, just sort of getting back to the other part of that equation with Perfetti. Uh, what did you think of Rick's answer this morning about Cole? It wasn't as exactly um, a ringing endorsement of why he was moved to right wing. Basically said, that's like the last, pl- that's the last place before the trap door opens to keep a player in the lineup, basically. Wasn't that how you interpreted it too? No, anyways, okay, we'll try, to, I'll I'll get back to the filling machine. So uh, for those of you who missed it, uh, Scott Billick asked uh, Rick Bonus if, you know, I think the, the, the idea was that, you know, Rick told us about three weeks ago that his, his idea was to keep uh, Cole Perfetti off of right wing. And, um, you know, now he has changed his mind. And, you know, he just said that Morgan Barron is more comfortable on the left. And right now, uh, the only place for Cole Perfetti, if he's not on that second line, is really on the fourth. So he's going to have to adapt to the right wing. So, um, you know, Cole's trying to take steps towards doing that. And today was another one of those steps. Uh, like we said earlier, I thought he was more involved in the offense. The other day, no shot on goals, shot, no shot attempts. Today, two shots on net, uh, one that was uh, attempted but blocked. Uh, he had a takeaway as well. I thought he was moving a little bit better. Uh, but overall, Still a work in progress, but he's working at it, which is important. And then we'll sort of go back and forth from the second and the fourth. But here, Snack also saying if Monaghan can stay healthy, sign this guy for two years. Um, couldn't agree more. I wrote about this last week. I think it's even possible that you, the Jets could sign him for three years, quite frankly. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, his market, so we're going to see what the market value is. He's a guy who uh, is is fitting in incredibly well here. He is on a... Uh, show me contract and that means he's going to be getting a raise from the two million that he makes but uh, obviously for the Jets if Monaghan would or were interested to stick around Sean I mean this is a guy who isn't going to be making 8.5 which is what you know Pierre-Luc Dubois is making for example uh, you know previously in that second line center role for the Jets so uh, I think there is a there is a pathway to him extending with the Jets uh, you know is there a guarantee of course not uh, but overall, uh, this is a guy who's fitting in seamlessly. Uh, Sean, you were you were doing your best to give the guy some credit and and about sparking the power play. And Sean basically was like, ah, you know, I don't really know if I deserve any credit. I wasn't really paying attention to the Jets. <laughs> to me, I think that he knows exactly what he's brought to the Jets power play, uh, but is not interested in taking any credit for it. That that's what it sounded like to me. And I'm you know curious if if you have a different uh, take on that than I do. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, today the power play 0 for 2 I thought it was moving it around okay again but uh, I, I was also curious what you thought Sean uh, you know we noticed that the Blues coaching staff was paying close attention to the morning skate where the Jets were working on their power play and I wonder if they applied anything to that uh, in the game here this evening uh, when they were uh, you know after doing their pre-scout but I don't know. I thought that they uh, moved it around and got some chances, but just didn't get a reward this time around. But uh, maybe you feel differently, but we'll get to that when you can. Uh, in terms of uh, the rest of the game, Vladislav Nemestikov, really good chance. He's been buzzing. Uh, four shots on net, six shot attempts, a hit. He's been really feisty uh, the last little while, and that's, a, that's, a, that's, an, that's an area where uh, I really think that uh, they can excel. Give me a test here. No, no, 
And Brendan Dillon, very feisty. He got involved with Oscar Sundquist and... Um... It's a good try. Um, what else do we got for you? Adam Lowry, I was also curious. Uh, there must have there must have been something that happened with previously with Braden Shen and uh, Adam Lowry because I didn't really see anything that should have led to a fight in that scenario to me. But uh, obviously, Shen asked Adam Lowry if he wanted to go, and uh, he was certainly more than willing and looked like Braden Shen uh, certainly had an issue with his hand uh, after hitting his helmet. And uh, similarly for Lowry, went to the room right away. Uh, it looked like he got some repairs maybe potentially on his hand uh, before making his way back to the box, uh, making his way back to the back to the box, serving the rest of the minor and, and working his way back out to the ice. Uh, otherwise, for the Jets... Nino Niederreiter, what do we see from him today, Sean? Three shots on net, four attempts, a couple of block shots in 1332. Um, you were asking Rick Bonus. Uh, I was transcribing already, but you were asking Rick Bonus about that uh, about that line. And let me double check to see what he had to say here. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Thanks for your patience, folks. We're still gonna just keep grinding here. Uh, Rick Bonus, you asked him, and let's see what he said about that that line, Lowry versus the Robert Thomas line. They did a really good job. Listen, they're going to get their chances that line. You saw Cairo late in the game. He's just leaving the zone. He's flying out by the blue line. That's hard to defend, so I thought Adams' line did the job they needed to do. They shut them down as best they could, and I mean... Uh, Brassois made a, you know, a good save uh, on Robert Thomas on that wraparound on the initial, on the initial try, uh, shot from the point. And there's Pavel Bushnevich, who, you know, some Jets fans are certainly interested in, uh, potentially, uh, seeing the Jets add to the mix or certainly making an offer, uh, for him, but we'll see how that transpires. Uh, I don't think Doug Armstrong, he's made it pretty clear with the high price tag that he's not really all that interested in uh, moving him, and if, unless he gets blown away by an offer, uh, but see what happens from there. I uh, thought Bushnevich was a guy you certainly noticed quite a lot in the game. Twenty minutes, fifty-two seconds of ice time on twenty-five shifts, five shots on net, seven attempts, two hits. Uh, plays a bit of a feisty game, so uh, he's a guy that would be on the wish list of a lot of contenders. But I think he still makes just under around six million dollars uh, for one more year, so price tag is pretty high. Do you have any more audio there yet or no? Are you... No? Okay. Uh, what else do we got here? How about before uh, we get Sean back in here, we'll try to... Uh... Oh. Okay, okay, now I can hear you. You got me? I do. Okay, I'm going to close this off on this computer. Um. <laughs> One second. Okay, we got me. Yes, we do. That sounds okay. way better than the other sound. Here Good we go. Job. This is just yeah. gonna. It's got to be a computer issue. Sorry about that, folks. Sorry, leave you hanging, Ken. Uh, that's some first class tap dancing. Filibuster. Filibuster. First class tap dancing. There, appreciate it. Uh, so much that we can go back to. Where did you? Your first question was it about Profetti? 
what was yeah? What did you think of Rick's response to Scott Billick when he he was getting it into it about playing right wing? So that's an interesting one. I see Nick Lynham was uh, was upset about that and the idea how it's gone from nine days, you know, about Cole Perfetti can't play on that off wing to where he is now. The the difference between the two of them, I would suggest, is that on one hand, uh, the Jets are trying to optimize their scoring. Rick Bonus talked about it today after the game, and he said it's important. They need to get that second line going. So that's been a concern for an extremely long time for the Winnipeg Jets. They know that if they're going to do what they need to do in the playoffs, they have to have that secondary scoring. The third line scoring that they had for a while was really great fourth line as well. Those are things I don't think you can really count on. You need to have your first and second lines going and scoring. So the Winnipeg Jets have been searching for that. So Cole Perfetti, they didn't want to move him around because they thought it's as simple as this. It's not about putting Cole Perfetti uh, um, in the best spot. It's about putting other players in the best spot, right? Because Cole Perfetti is not producing or hasn't shown at the NHL level he can produce the way a Kyle Connor does or Gabe Velarde does or Nick Ehlers. So basically they're in a situation where they don't want him going over to a side uh, and they feel like they they need to do that in order to make the other players accommodated. He's a secondary third fourth concern now he gets moved over there because basically Cole Perfetti is just holding on to his spot in the lineup because a second line has discovered a scoring touch and looks like it can can play the role that Rick Bonus has has uh, been looking for from them so the first line is essentially locked up they they may be moving it around but Cole Perfetti's not shown that he's a guy who could go up on that line and do what Nick Ehlers has done, what Gabe Velarde has done, what Kyle Connor has done. And I get it. I know you're saying, well, we never saw him up there. Maybe he could. But this is it just goes back to this thing that I see over and over. And I hear people always arguing about optimizing the situation for a young player to, to be put in. Coaches think like that when they're on a team that's not competing and they're thinking, okay, next year is the goal for us. Let's bring this player in and see if, if you know, we can give them some time, give them, you know, some space to make mistakes and do these things. That's not where the Jets are. The Jets have to optimize their lineup. So Cole Perfetti and how he fits or getting Cole Perfetti going by putting him on the top line or whatever wing, that's not the concern. Cole Perfetti had a long time on the second line to pop. It didn't work. Uh, Second line is popping now. Again, small sample size. He finds himself not on the third line because that's not the kind of style he plays. So he's on the fourth line. He finds himself on the off wing now, not because it was an excuse before, but because they're basically trying to find a spot to keep him in the lineup. And they want him to play beside Vladislav Nemesnikov because they've shown a degree of chemistry before this. And they think they can get a fusion fourth line that has... Vladi Nemestikov, who is a fusion player, he's great defensively, but he's got some offensive upside to him. Morgan Barron, who's scored, but is just basically what you want from him, is grinding the other team down. So you've got a grinder and defensive guy there. You've got Nemestikov, who can play both. And maybe, just maybe, you could put Cole Perfetti on that other side and he can make it pop. I'm going to tell you this right now. If they go into the playoffs and he's not finding that offensive touch and that line ends up getting scored on a couple times, dollars to donuts, Rasmus Kapari is going to go into that spot. They're just going to run a straight-up grinding-it-out fourth line. But to me, that's the explanation of where Cole Perfetti finds himself. Now, this is the deal. Cole Perfetti, high draft pick, 
I think they still believe in him. They're not giving up on the player. But right now matters for the Winnipeg Jets. And if you can't help them right now, you got to get out of the way. Alex Iafalo has stepped up into that spot. That line is working. And this is just where Cole Perfetti finds himself on the off wing because Rick Bonus is trying to find a way to keep him in the lineup. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jay Miller, bring on Dallas. Sean, what did you think of Brennan Dillon's comments about facing the Stars and have, you know facing a team that the Jets should have no trouble getting up for given the circumstances and given the fact that they've been beaten by them twice on their home ice this year already? Yeah, well, the timing's good. And I think I'd looked in the, the Dallas Stars or something like four. One, they probably, is the game over yet tonight? If I look at them, they were four, three, and three in their last 10 games. They're struggling right now. The Colorado Avalanche are struggling right now. The St. Louis Blues are struggling right now. And you look at the, the, the LA Kings are fighting for their lives. This is a good time for the Winnipeg Jets to play the Dallas Stars based on what's happened earlier in the year. It's a good time for them to get a good feel against a team like that. Um, 5-1 uh, avalanche tonight over the Stars, by the way. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, um, yeah, the, the, the Stars seem a little bit lost right now. You can see that and how quickly the Jets have gone from a significant number of points behind Dallas. And now, after tonight, they will be tied with them with four games in hand. Look, even if Dallas finds a way to pull out of their tailspin and get a victory against the Winnipeg Jets, they'll go up two points, but the Jets will still have four games in hand. The Jets are in a first-place team right now in the Central Division. They've built up a padding that is going to make it hard for them to be surpassed without them falling flat on their face the way some of these other teams have. Um, I don't think the Dallas Stars they'll see in their next game will be the best version. This is just how it works out. We saw the Dallas Stars play the Winnipeg Jets earlier in the year when the Winnipeg Jets hadn't quite got to their identity yet, to their game. What we're going to see in this next game, if if I'm a betting man, is the Winnipeg Jets playing the Dallas Stars team that has fallen off their game. To me, this all is just setting the table for these teams running into each other in the playoffs. And the importance of it is which of these teams uh, can seem to get to their game by that point. But I can, uh, because no of the issues that we've had, I just wanted to give a, a shout out at this stage to uh, Cambrian Credit Union and talk about uh, the payoff that moving Alfio is. And unfortunately, for all you people who are seething and stabbing yourself under the table with a fork, uh, because Cole Perfetti did not end up being the answer, and he's down on the fourth line, at least for now. Um, moving him down on the fourth, moving Alex Iafalo up, that has no doubt paid off for the Winnipeg Jets. And if you're looking to pay off high interest credit cards or debt, we suggest you go to our friends at Cambridge Credit Union about their payoff loan. They can show you how taking out a loan to pay off your debt actually gets you debt-free faster, and you can save thousands of dollars. Go to cambrian.mb.ca to book an appointment online. And while we're here, Ken, might as well give a shout out to Sweet Lou. Sure. For folks who have realty needs, they'd like to have met, whether you're buying, selling, curious what that house on the corner is going for, you can contact Lou Furlan of Rilla Page Dynamic Realty, 204-791-9971 or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlan.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca, Lou Furlan. Excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this podcast. And sorry, while while, while I have your attention, um, this is amazing to me. Um, Maul thinks he has me in a gotcha moment here. Like, Sean, Nikolai Ehlers looked unreal on Friday, and there were stretches on Sunday where he played very well. 
I had the audacity to say it didn't look like he had his legs in the second period, and and Maul somehow thinks he has me in some aha moment. Uh, Maul, did you not agree that he was looking a little bit less explosive in the second period against the Coyotes? Because otherwise, I thought Nikolai Ehlers has been excellent in the last three games, and I've made that opinion very clear. What I also said is that right now, based on whatever Nikolai Ehlers has been dealing with, he's not ready for 20 minutes a night, and I stand by it. Give it to him, Ken. You know where you know where. Yeah, goes. you know what it is? It's straight-up wake-up territory for Maul, and thank you for playing. Well, there you go. you got to handle the business here, but that's the pristine roofing wake-up call. Uh, and you know what that means. Time to give North End Rick the pristine roofing wake-up call. Uh, he's the guy who you call down to your house if you have any roofing, siding, exterior needs or wants or emergencies. He's the guy who knows how to uh, tell you exactly what's what and uh, give you a great quote uh, for pristine roofing to come take care of your business. You could also call pristine roofing themselves. I uh, just want to remind you, um, one of the reasons you want to give North and Rick the pristine roofing wake-up call, they are handing out a free roof to someone in need. So anyone out there, neighbors, uh, family members, uh, anyone, just a stranger down the street who you think could use that help and get that free roof, pristine roofing, is looking for a worthy person to do that for. So get a hold of North and Rick and pass that around. Um, Ken, we can't wait too much longer. We got to get into the stuff that we saw today um from from uh the commissioner who is in town uh i'm just going to tell a funny little story before we get down to business i asked the first question here of of him and he you know got into it but one of the things that i thought was kind of funny is that the commissioner gary batman quoted he said he started answering my question and he quoted an answer to a question that he had back in 2011. Uh, he referred to it and and talked about a quote where he said, you know, in order for this to work, we're going to have to fill the building. What I thought was hilarious is his answer that he was quoting was to a question that I asked him back in 2011, which I think if you go back and listen to that that uh, that press conference, I do think that was the star question that he answered. Uh, so, sorry, I mean, like the best elicited answer it was the most impactful answer. And it came from a question from Rennie, who wasn't even in the sports media landscape. He was the late night news host at CBC back in those days uh, when he delivered. Uh, Rennie trying so, to steal the spotlight. What a surprise. This is what I do. But <laughs> I felt like I was in the movie Inception. It was like just layers and layers of going back and like competing with myself. He, he, I felt like he was saying, you know, back in the day I was asked this question. I gave this, you know, it still rings true today. And I was like, must have been. Must have been a good reporter who asked me that. Anyways, yeah. hum- uh, humble brag. I mean, here, here well, I was thinking that the fact that uh, Paul Turan and I uh, cornered David Thompson uh, for a quick answer when we were when we were shooting videos for the Winnipeg Sun and Post Media, he gave us a, a hour, you know, minute and twenty answer about how Bobby Orr was his favorite player and how what hockey meant to him. But you stole yeah. the show again before we were even well, partners. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, Ken. It's not bragging if it's the truth. <laughs> there you and, go. There hey, you these go. lines, someone, there someone go. got a hold of me today. And they said Man, that, have you been watching 80s no, wrestling or what? What's going on? There, there Anything else no you'd like end. to drop? This gimmick, there is no end to the places <laughs> you can take the truth, the truth teller uh, character. Anyways, let's get to it. Uh, it gets a little bit more serious, Ken. What did you take away 
from uh, from Garrett. Excuse me. Uh, well, I need you to handle Batman. the Batman part because I mean I wasn't in on the Batman presser. I did speak. With All right. Him well, in why the don't afternoon. you just take? Why don't you take away the day and your takeaways from the day, and then I'll come back after that. Yeah, no problem. I mean, for folks who don't know, I you know I spoke with Gary in the early afternoon. Uh, he's carved out a little bit of time, and he made it clear out of the gate that the Jets and relocation is not and not even a minuscule possibility at this time um you know he talked about what he meant for the market uh what the team means in the marketplace and yes they're you know they would like to get the attendance back up but this isn't a you know code red situation he wasn't here to you know be the villain and say if you don't sell the tickets we're moving the team it wasn't like that at all and from what i understand i mean i spoke to a couple of people who are in on some of the business meetings uh gary's message was very positive now yes of course he wasn't ignoring the fact that the jets season ticket base has uh, eroded to you know from thirteen thousand with the waiting list of 8,000 to 9,500 or so but uh he you know he talked about he talked about all the you know investment the or true north has made in the arena in and around the building in the community and uh he says they're an important member of the team and he isn't worried about them long term but Outside of that, I, I can't speak to the to presser. I, I was not uh, uh, when when you guys were speaking with Gary is when I was talking with Mark Chipman. So I don't have any insight on the on the Batman avail with Bill. Okay, Dale. sorry, All right. it's on you. Uh, well, let's, handle, you let's pile it on me. Let's pile it on me. Um, a little bit of a surprise. I'm wondering out there. You can let me know here in the uh, in the chat room if you were surprised as well. Um, the tone of this was uh, not not that uh, not that I don't agree with everything Gary Bettman said. I thought the most important thing Gary Bettman said in here is the reason why when people have got a hold of me and I've had a lot of you texting me, messaging me, a lot of people really concerned that the Winnipeg Jets were on their way out of town. And I've said this time and time again: if the Jets leave, I don't have a job. Right. Or else Sportsnet is picking me up and dropping me off uh, somewhere else. Uh, like I'm going to, to Montreal or something like that, if that's the case. And hey, I don't speak French. I'm working on it on Duolingo, <laughs> but I'm not there yet, folks. So um, like, it's, are you threatening to relocate, Sean? Hang on before I, this gets out of control. Uh, no, Does no, the chat room no. need to be concerned? I am. I am not. There's not a pipeline. Thank you for setting Angle the record. Where, thank where, you. Thank you for heading. setting the record straight. Anyways. Anyways, to get back onto this, I've got a wife. I've got two kids. Uh, we live a block and a half from where my wife grew up. Uh, she loves the city. She doesn't want to go anywhere. So I'm as invested in this as anybody. Maybe more. Maybe more so because it would affect my livelihood. There's not a moment here that I've thought, "Oh boy, what do we got to do? What's the backup plan if the Winnipeg Jets leave?" And Gary Bettman nailed the reason why. And if you've been messaging me, I've been telling you this for a while. Yeah. The Winnipeg Jets are the economic engine for the True North Empire, which is just not an owner of a hockey team. They own a wide swath of the downtown. Gary Bettman talked about that and the idea that it would be ludicrous to think that the Jets are just going to up and leave and that there's not going to be a commitment to keeping them here. Because, listen, if, if Mark Chipman loses the Winnipeg Jets, there goes the economic engine and all of these investments that he's made downtown that are predicated on bringing people downtown and bringing those dollars to the downtown and him making money this would be that there is nobody nobody who wants the winnipeg jets to leave less than uh mark chipman so 
I have thought this right off the bat. The fact that some people were talking about them leaving and, you know, out of town next year, this is ridiculous. Also, organizations that are failing show signs of failing. Their payroll goes down. They start selling off, you know, major assets and really good players. They start being that team that is just an also round. The Winnipeg Jets aren't even close to that. The message coming from Gary Bettman essentially is saying, that Mark Chipman is saying this not because the team is in danger of leaving. It's because the, what Mark Chipman wants to be is not just a sports owner. He wants to be a guy who's got a team that's competing for the Stanley Cup. He's saying to you, we need to get to this amount of season tickets if we want to continue pressing and doing what they're doing right now, challenging to be one of the best teams in the league, having the potential to maybe go deep in the playoffs, maybe one day be the kind of team that brings the Stanley Cup to the city of Winnipeg. That's what he's trying to do. Before they came out, I had said and said this on, on Jeff Merrick this afternoon. I'd said exactly this, that that's what, what I thought was the situation here. I didn't think that they were leaving. But I will say this, Gary Bettman talking about being surprised and caught off guard that the market was, was worried or that was talking about relocation, that seemed a little bit disingenuous to me. Why? Because this is the third time now that True North, through their ad campaign last year, where they hinted at the team leaving, I don't care how you look at it, that's how a lot of people took that. Okay, let's say it like this. Whether you believe they were hinting at it or not, it was taken that way. And it's the job of you as an advertiser to make sure that your message is getting across loud and clear. And too many people took from that ad campaign that the Winnipeg Jets were threatening leaving for it not to have been a miss. Then at the beginning of the year, once again, you, the fans of the Winnipeg Jets, became talk of the national sports media because uh, Chipman went out and spoke to Darren Dreger and brought up these issues. And right away again, people were talking about it. And then this time around, his words were, we need to get back to that base of 13,500 or whatever it is, season ticket holders, if this is going to work. was. It's, it is disingenuous of Gary Bettman to suggest that he thinks it's crazy that people went to this, this conclusion when this was the language. So I would say this. I take it at face value that Gary Bettman interpreted it this way, that that's what Mark Chipman meant. But boy, oh boy, three times for True North in this situation to put out stories with the national media ad campaigns that have people landing on the idea that they're threatening to take the team out of town, start hitting the mark, start hitting the mark true North and making sure that your message is getting across clear to fans because it's not ridiculous that people took that away from this. It sounded like there that, that the owner of the jets was saying that it's not going to work here unless people get here. And people were taking that as the team leaving the town Gary Bettman can make it sound like people race to conclusions or that the media was being negative. He can do all those things however he wants to. This is three times now that fans have taken away from True North that there's problems and they need to leave the town. Their messaging needs to be better if that's not something that they're hinting at. Just quickly on that, uh, just quickly for, for the folks who didn't read my article at the Free Press yet, uh, in terms of relocation, when I asked Gary about this, no, not at all. It's never been discussed. It's never been considered. For all the folks saying Gary Bettman doesn't care about Winnipeg and that he'd prefer to be an American market, if we weren't invested in the Jets here long term, the Jets wouldn't have been here 
to begin with. That's a silly narrative. Um, you know, Sean, to your point about the messaging not maybe getting out uh, properly. Well, I mean, um, I asked Mark about that and about the, you know, about what he meant when it when he said 13,000 wasn't going to work. And this is what he said. We feel like we need to get back to 13,000. And the reason for that is it's not an issue of do or die or viability or not. It's long-term health and competitiveness is dependent on a healthy season ticket base. So um, what he is saying is not buy tickets or we're out of here. What he's saying is that if the Jets don't have a, you know, a little bit of a renewal of support, uh, whether that's from corporate, which we know was a, was a topic of conversation, uh, both with Gary Bettman and in my conversation with Mark, where the Jets are at 15% and the next highest or lowest team in the in Canada out of the seven teams is at 45%. Um, what it means, we've already seen this with the Jets, Sean. In 1.0 version of the Jets, the Jets traded Timu Solani. They didn't want to trade Timu Solani, but you can't be a cap ceiling team and the Jets don't want to be a cap floor team. Um, you know, the joke in the market was all oh, the Jets are happy just being a, a member of the team. That, that's that's not what the Jets want to be that, from my conversation today with Mark. They want to win a Stanley Cup. They want to be competitive. And the other thing, the, the salary cap's going up. So if the season ticket base goes down, they're not going to be a cap ceiling team anymore. So anyways, um, lots to chew on today. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there was a lot to be gleaned from both Gary Bettman's, uh, you know, public comments from his interview with me and from my chat with Mark Chipman. And, uh, you know, I understand some folks were, uh, you know, upset and out of shape. I've seen some emails just like you have, Sean, some people sharing with me. And, um, you know, we talked to Josh Morrissey this morning. I mean, people are saying, well, the Jets got to get out in the community. Well, yesterday, Mark Chipman and, and Mark Shifley and Josh Morrissey went out to a, a Bart Kivas kudos to him for finding out the story uh they went out to a season ticket holder's house and josh talked about you know our job is to win on the ice but he loved going out to the outdoor rink yesterday and you know some people are like well why are the jets getting involved well if the jets want it to be a viable market getting out and doing community outreach is part of the job right i mean don't you think yeah yeah i'll say this uh kyle d says i don't know how people can still say gary doesn't care about it's crazy uh, it, 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 I'll tell you this, literally Gary Bettman may be liked more in Winnipeg right now than he's been liked in any market in the NHL for the last 30 years. Like it's one of the things I said, uh, on my sports net hit was, you know, like there, there's a love affair probably going on between Gary Bettman and, uh, and, um, the Winnipeg fans right now that probably doesn't exist elsewhere. What a turn, you know, especially considering that Gary Bettman was persona non grata in this city for how many years after they left. I just wanted to touch on this here. Tissue says it was crazy. The media in Toronto have an agenda. Chipman misspeaks the marketing sucks and they don't correct. Um, this is a take. I'll tell you, this is a take right now. This is twice now, Mark Chipman, rather than speaking with the very fine, very capable sports media members here in Winnipeg, has gone to Toronto. So to, to, to say here that he's a victim of a Toronto agenda when he's gone to Toronto rather than staying and talking with the people who know the team, uh, that's something. That's something right there. Anyways, Ken, uh, we're probably at the stage right now where you got to get to the Johnson Group got you covered. What do you got? Uh, it's, you know, in terms of what happened today for the Jets, there's a, there's a lot going on. And uh, I just think that uh, the, the, I can't give Alex and I a follow the goal for the lamplighter, but 
for all of the cries about needing more complimentary scoring, I know we don't necessarily, we like to go for under the radar plays when it comes to got you covered, but um, just <laughs> you were in the interview, Sean. I mean, this guy literally, um, you know, he didn't actually use the word relief, but Alex Iafalo, you could tell he was in one and in a slump. And when he got robbed after the Kevin Hayes turnover, when he got robbed by Joel Hofer in the second, Alex Iafalo kind of probably thought, well, heck, what am I going to score? And, you know, by going to the, you know, him going to the blue paint and getting rewarded is my got you covered play of the game in the, on this front. I think, I think you nailed it there. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, maybe give it to Adam Lowry for just getting in the fight, a, a captain's fight. Like that was pretty interesting to see. And I will actually have to say this is that, is that the, I know he got the takedown. Uh, there's no doubt Shen got the better shots in there. Is that the, the I don't know. Did he actually uh, connect? Best? I thought he got his visor. I don't know that he actually hit him, but anyways. He I it looked like he connected on at least one. Okay. Um so I don't know. Is is that the closest we've seen to Adam Lowry lose it, losing a fight or maybe losing a fight? I'm trying to think of times where I've seen him lose a fight before. Yeah, certainly not many. I mean, he's gone toe to toe with Reeves a couple of times. I d I don't recall uh Again, I'm not sure. Again, I'd have to watch it again. I thought it was fairly even tilt, personally. All right. Well, I can't control any of the uh, graphics that go in here, Ken. Oh, so I got if you, you want to yep. throw that up, that would be good. But hey, do you run a small business in Canada? Look, the Canada's number one employee benefits plan, Chambers Plan, to give you a competitive edge. Chambers Plan is the simple, stable, smart choice for over 30,000 businesses countrywide. Visit chamberplan.ca to learn more and learn a little bit more about the Kenny and Rennie OGs in the Johnston Group. Ken, time for your keg save of the game my friend yeah i thought joel hofer uh rebounded well I'm not, i wouldn't say it was a soft goal but kyle connor i think fooled him on the one i think the dylan shot looked to me like it was redirected so again and the one timer by monahan was was exceptional so I, I didn't really see any issue with hofer playing and what was his first game or first game in his hometown since i think he said he was 14 years old when i spoke to him this morning among a group of other reporters uh i texted to you in real time uh there were a bunch of saves by Brassois that were kind of under the radar, uh, including the one on, who do, who is it? All? Oh, on Braden Shen. Uh, it was something that it didn't even look like much because of the way he used his shoulder. It didn't, it wouldn't have been a highlight reel save. He didn't use the glove. He didn't stretch out the pad. But to me, that looked like it was labeled, Sean. And that would have made it, I think, a one goal game at the time. Uh, so I'm going with the Braden Shen shot, though. I, I mean, there were a ton of saves, including with the one on Bushnevich uh, on the two on one. But uh, I'm going with the uh, under the radar save on Shen uh, as my keg save of the game, personally. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with the Bushnevich, uh, the two on one, the slide mm -hmm. across. Uh, was it just, was a beauty, you know. It, well, it's just it's not him getting a toe on it. It's not him throwing that across. He gets the whole body across. He's there. He knows where it's going. Good defending. Uh, by the Jets player to really make it so that uh, he can concentrate on on the pass. You know, it's you got to take one or the other, right? If you're defending, you either have to take the shooter and not allow him to get a shoot off, or or take the the pass. A lot of times, you know, I remember uh, being younger uh, and playing, and the coaches would always tell you, you, you just always take the pass. Or I don't agree with that. And in this case, um, it, it's essentially. Lauren Brassois knows, by the way, that's defended, that there's not going to be a shot. He knows that the only chance they have on that is a pass across, so it allows him to get on his horse and get over. But we didn't talk enough about Lauren Brassois 
in this game. Once again, he was the better goaltender. He was probably the best player on the night here tonight. I doubled down time and time again. There's no difference between the Winnipeg Jets with Connor Hellebuck in net and with Lauren Bersois in net. Uh, he has done everything he possibly could this year to make the best of his situation. And once again, we'll say it, he's going to make another team really, really happy next year when he goes looking for uh, more time in the crease that he just is not going to get here as long as Connor Hellebuck is there. That's my keg save of the game. doesn't matter, though, what my keg save of the game is. It matters what yours is. Share with us your hashtag, the keg save of the game. You're automatically entered to win a $50 gift certificate to any of the three fine keg locations here in the city of Winnipeg, each location finer than the last. And the winner of the keg $50 gift certificate from the last game, that would be Papa T. Papa T, you know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Give me your full name. Send me an email address, and I will have the keg send you a $50 gift certificate usable at any of their three fine keg locations here in the city of Winnipeg, each location finer than the last. And Ken, that brings us to our lamp lighter. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's the the wizardry by Nikolai Ehlers uh, on the Sean Monahan goal. But that play doesn't happen without Josh Morrissey making a great play to get the get the get the play moving north. Really good defensive play inside the blue line, out, outstanding outlet, and then just an absolutely beautiful look by Ehlers uh, to find Monahan for the one timer. Honorable mention to Brendan Dillon as he sets a career high with his seventh goal on a, a beautiful clapper. Uh, but to me, it's the Monaghan goal, which is his 19th, Sean, 19th of the season. Yeah. Uh, even with Kyle Connor's incredible hot streak, uh, you know, Connor's got 24. Monaghan, I believe, second on the Jets with 19 this year. He's just having a dynamite year. Started with Montreal, and he's just, uh, that's six now for Monaghan since joining the Jets, uh, looking like a really smart preemptive strike uh, by Kevin Cheveldayoff. Well, never mind. What do you think, Ken, of the idea that the Winnipeg Jets have already been, like when we're all looking for winners and losers, who won the trade deadline? I know it's not the trade deadline. It was a preemptive strike, like you said, but these are all moves by playoff teams trying to bolster their roster before the trade deadline. What do you think the likelihood is that the Winnipeg Jets are going to have the best trade deadline move in Sean Monaghan? Like who is going to do better than that right now? Yeah, we've been asking uh, who is going to be this year's Ivan Barbashev, and the early candidate is Sean Monaghan. Uh, they are different players, obviously, but in terms of impact and jobs, like Vegas had a very specific role in mind. They wanted someone to ride shotgun with Jack Eichel, someone who brought A, championship experience, B, brought bite, can play on the power play, can play on the penalty kill, can be moved throughout the lineup if you need him to, and a guy who, you know, knocked Sam Gerrard out of the playoffs with an absolutely, you know, I don't mean vicious in terms of dirty, but in a hit that absolutely punished, you know, one of the Avalanche best players, and they still found a way to win the Stanley Cup that year. But to me, Monaghan is making an impact in all of the areas the Jets needed to. What has he done? He's a guy that Rick Bonus is throwing over the boards when he needs a key crucial draw one. He is on the ice and helping the power play. Um, C, he is helping out with the penalty kill. D, he is providing stability to the second line. So, <laughs> yes, it's hard to imagine. Now, people in Vancouver will argue maybe Elias Lindholm will do many of these same things for their team, but they got to do it when it counts, and, show, and so does Monaghan. But right now... Um, you know, right now, Sean Monahan is very much starting out to be 
in a situation where he challenges for best deadline move that Kevin Sheveldayoff has made in terms of, you know, Paul Stastny is the clear-cut number one on that front right now. I know there are other moves, and, you know, once Elias Solomonson gets here, maybe we can talk about that trade. But for right now, Paul Stastny at the deadline is the best move Kevin Sheveldayoff has made, and Sean Monaghan has the potential to rival that. And if the Jets can get another defenseman, or if they add a middle six or depth winger um one of the names that's been thrown out there by you know someone i've talked to on on the you know on the old twitter machine uh, anthony mantha six foot five power forward of the washington capitals uh he's a guy that from my research and what i remember about the time um was a guy again he will fit the the he will fit the mold sean as a guy that jets i believe had interest in his draft year and he's going to be a pending ufa having a big year in terms of offense. He plays with some snarl. I'd be curious if Anthony Mantha is a guy that, that could be on the radar in terms of being another guy that plays a little bit more of the Barbashev style. Uh, but he has been plagued by inconsistency over the course of his career. Uh, but he's having a you know high-end season this year, Sean. So anyways, long-winded way of saying yes on Mo- everything you said about Monaghan. Uh, but he's got to keep it up. He's got to stay healthy. But the way he's impacting the game and finding chemistry with Nikolai Ehlers, uh, to me, he's a guy. The Jets, when they got Drew Stafford, they wanted to find a way to keep him around, and they did. I think the Jets feel the exact same way about Sean Monahan. And again, that will be a story for the off season. But his fit has been absolutely seamless so far. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this: I was just asking for a little sidebar from you on Sorry my way to that. talking about my lamplighter being Sean Monahan's goal, but I forgot who I was talking to, yeah. and I didn't know that the buffet had restocked all over again since you feasted on it earlier. Regardless, my crab legs uh, are everywhere. Crab Rangoon, baby! Uh, you, yeah, out. my lamplighter is um, Sean Monahan's goal. Great pass, but. Honestly, like this is one of those things that an, an NHL player every once in a while will make look easy. The way that he shoots across his body, the angle that he gets that shot off and the velocity that he gets it off with and uh, the accuracy that he gets it off with is crazy. That was one of those plays that, you know, regular people take a look at and they don't know how absolutely amazing that goal is. Having that skill set. Uh, in the middle of your lineup now and having gone and picked it up is a huge, huge addition. Sean Monahan is fitting in just right. I'll tell you this again, Marty St. Louis, we did a Canadians game on Hockey Night in Canada earlier this year. Marty St. Louis had raved about him and said, listen, people don't realize how good this guy is because he's been injured now for a ridiculous amount of time. They forgot how good he was. And then they've thought that the times that he's been struggling with injury has defined him and how he was the new player. Sean Monaghan is back to, and the Jets are getting it, back to the the player that at one time was considered to be in the neighborhood of a Mark Shifley caliber player. That's what the Winnipeg Jets have got here. That's what he's showing to be. Huge pickup and a huge goal tonight for the Lamplighter. That's the one I'm picking. Doesn't matter what I pick, though. It uh, matters what you pick. Uh, we want to hear your lamplighter, your goal of the game. And if you do that, you're automatically answered to win a frosty, delicious eight-pack of lamplighter amber ale brought to you by our friends at Transcander Brewing Company. If you cannot wait for Kenny and Rennie to gift you your own eight-pack, head on down to Transcander Brewing Company. Join them in their tap room at 11290 Keniston, where we will be hosting our very last live podcast, April 6th. Come join us. Go to Eventbrite and look for Kenny and Rennie tickets. April 6th, again, 
on Eventbrite. Uh, going to be a great time. Uh, and it's time for me to announce our Lamplighter winner. That would be in Bones We Trust. So in Bones We Trust, direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. One last thing here. Um, a lot of folks are kind of going all over the place. I need you to direct message me at Twitter because there's messages going all over the place and trying to track down the winners is getting a little bit difficult because people are sending it to my Facebook. They're sending it to my Instagram. Do yourself a favor. If you if you are on the show and you want to win, get yourself a Twitter or X account and direct it here because if I miss it and it's on a different account other than this, I'm sorry, but it's on you. I'm doing my best to keep up, but you're making it difficult on me. So in Bones We Trust, direct message me on Twitter. Uh, send me your full name. Send me uh, an email address, and I will send you a voucher for a Frosty Delicious A pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale brought to you by our friends at TCB, the absolute nectar of the gods. Ken, do you have anything to say before we go? No, a uh, lot's happening. And, yeah, I mean, we – Please check out the Winnipeg Free Press and for winnipegfreepress.com. Uh, lots of work in there today. Uh, we're doing our best to cover this uh, franchise, and I was fortunate enough to get a couple of one-on-ones today, and I uh, hope I did I did my best to do them justice. So feedback always welcome. There you go. Uh, boy, there's always, there's always comments in the chat room every time, Ken. Always a comment <laughs> in there. Uh, anyways, great job, everybody. Love the... Uh, Razzing felt like a good razzing show here today. Yeah. Uh, felt like we built on the truth teller character. Loving that, loving the lines. We'll keep going with that, or we won't. I don't know. Maybe I'll lose interest. Who knows? So we'll find the truth at a later date. Uh, other than that, uh, I wanted to say before we uh, move on, if you appreciate the conversations happening in this space, please. Please appreciate the contributions uh, by our sponsors who fight to keep the conversation going in this space for us. That is Sweet Lou Furlan, Pristine Roofing, Cambrian Credit Union, Vittorio Rossi, the Kenny and Rennie OGs in the Johnston Group, and of course the Keg and Transcanter Brewing Company. Thank you to them. Thank you to all of you for putting up with our uh, audio issues. Hopefully it got better when I switched over onto the phone. Uh, we're going to get this figured out. Uh, if it did, please let me know in the comments uh, because that's a safe space that we could go to in the future if my computer keeps having these issues. Other than that, thank you for your patience. We will chat with everybody after the next game, a first place showdown, even though the Jets, even if they lose that, are technically, you know, in my mind, first place because they've got so many games in hand. But a first place showdown with the Dallas Stars. It's going to be a good one. We'll break it down here in this space after that. We'll see you after that. Bye, everybody.